0: Hey everyone, Carla here, recording in studio with Iman. Hi guys! And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture, including TV, movies, books, and sports. In today's episode, we'll be discussing two shows that have caught our attention as of late, Atlanta and Luke Cage. Specifically, we'll be discussing the performances, soundtracks, and other elements that have made these shows culturally significant as of late. So, Iman, both of these shows have created a lot of buzz, but how about we kick off this discussion with Donald Glover's new FX show, Atlanta? Let's do it. All right, here's a quick trailer. Yeah, love my breath. I love it. What is that? Curry? (laughs) It's like a very deep curry. That is not, that's like some freaky... (laughs) Hey, yo, you heard that new Paperboy mixtape? That's my cousin. You gonna want to get in there before he gets signed, man. So, type. you want in on Paperboy? What? No. Please, man. If we do this right, your kids can live good. My kids can live good. Alright, I am so excited to talk about Atlanta, mostly because I was completely blindsided by it, and it has quickly become one of my favorite shows of the year. It's seriously great. Okay, but for listeners who have never heard of it, Atlanta is a new comedy-drama television series created by and starring Donald Glover, who before this was probably best known for playing Troy in Community or for his musical endeavors under the name Childish Gambino. In this series, we follow Glover's character Earn during his daily life in Atlanta, hence the title, as he tries to redeem himself in the eyes of his girlfriend, his parents, and his cousin who raps under the stage name Paperboy. Having dropped out of Princeton, Ern finds himself in dire straits, but once he realizes his cousin is on the verge of stardom, he seizes the opportunity to quickly reconnect and serve as his manager in order to improve his life and the life of his daughter. So, initial impressions. Based on the synopsis, it probably sounds like Atlanta could easily be a serious, almost depressing show. Yeah. But one of its biggest strengths actually lies in its ability to balance strong, poignant moments with moments of bizarre, comedic brilliance. I'm seven episodes in, and as I hinted earlier, I'm all in on this show because I love everything about it. It's one of those rare but brilliant auteur comedies where the creators have a strong vision and a unique perspective. And rather than sharing this vision through a linear storyline, Atlanta feels a little more creative in the sense that each episode feels like a little vignette.
1: Yeah, that's really well put.
0: Iman, you are also seven episodes into the series. What have been your initial impressions of the show?
1: All right, I'm going to level with you. For what I had assumed from the posters, at least, which are... Donald Glover, and I'm assuming other members of the cast, Uh just with peaches in their mouths. Yeah. I thought Atlanta would be a too artsy for me comedy by Donald Glover and his peach-biting gang, him trying to prove that he isn't Troy. (laughs) Uh, I was not excited. But I watched the first episode, and then a second, and I was shocked how creative and real both in characters and in content the show felt i i did drop off for a hot minute as I, I haven't been watching this week by week mm-hmm. but i think the fact that the episodes are essentially 20 minutes it's 20 30 minutes each it is so easily digestible in spurts where you can kind of watch like two or three episodes at a time and you haven't wasted half your day. Yeah. I do think that the episodes deserve to be watched weekly, but I appreciate the opportunity to get to kind of binge it in little chunks.
0: Yeah. No, I agree. And I think there are several other strengths that we can touch upon. The first one is probably just the characters themselves. Definitely. So... I, like you, also thought this was going to be a really hipster Donald Glover experiment. But (laughs) I was actually pleasantly surprised that Donald Glover isn't in it as much as I thought he would be. I mean, he totally could have easily hogged the spotlight on this show. Yeah, I think... Hipster
1: Donald Glover experiment was the original title.
0: (laughs) 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 But I was pleasantly surprised to see the degree to which Atlanta really spends time on each of its characters and allows us to see multiple sides to them. This is especially true with the characters of Alfred, better known as Paperboy, Uh, Darius, who is basically... Paperboy's right-hand man, best friend type of deal. Mm-hmm. And Vanessa, which is Earn's girlfriend, Donald Glover's character. Played by Zazie Beats?
1: Is that it's how her- you pronounce her name?
0: I'm guessing, and if it is, that's one of the coolest names ever.
1: Oh my gosh. B-E-E-T-Z. <laughs> I want that name.
0: But yeah, none of these characters feel like caricatures. Yeah. And I think that
1: anytime we're complimenting characters, we're ultimately complimenting the writing. And that's something that feels just so strong and so much less self-involved than I thought it would have been. Donald Glover really surprised me.
0: Yeah. And another surprising element are the themes of the show itself. Atlanta tackles really heavy topics.
1: It gets real, people.
0: (laughs) In the episodes I've seen off the top of my head, I can tell you they've covered gun violence, the criminal justice system, um, poverty, mental illness, and Justin Bieber. Not in
1: the way anyone would have (laughs) thought that they would have. That's all I'll say.
0: But all of these topics are just handled with such finesse rather than banging you over the head with a message, it instead opts to subtly shed light on the ironies related to them, and it simply moves on. Mm -hmm. And because of this, it's the type of show that really stays with you long after you watch it, because you find yourself constantly thinking about what you saw.
1: Earlier, you described it as a series of vignettes. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. The fact that it gives you, it's like a piece of artwork where it, it we were just saying that this show isn't as artsy as we thought it would, but it it is in such a subtle way because it presents you with an image and you find yourself slow, it slowly permeates into your psyche and you find yourself thinking about it afterwards. I've, I've definitely liked that. I mean, I guess that, that can segue into another one of the strengths about this show, which are the visuals. It's shot beautifully.
0: Yeah, it is such a beautiful show to watch. And this is probably primarily because it's able to find the beauty in the mundane. Would you agree with this?
1: Yeah. Interestingly, I have a... I was talking to a friend from Atlanta about this show, and she was commenting on how true to life it felt.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Which is impressive in the sense that the show still looks pretty amazing.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was thinking while other shows like Empire really glorify the theatrical aspects of hip-hop culture, Atlanta takes a more grounded approach to life in the music industry. There are a lot of quiet moments in the show where we kind of linger on a shot of Ern staring at his daughter or paperboy just sitting on his couch watching TV. And somehow, a lot of these moments feel way more impactful Than even in other shows.
1: Yeah, or more impactful than moments of high drama in the show. Nothing ever feels particularly contrived or heavy-handed, as you said. It, It does just kind of leave things with you. And I do think... Perhaps this is a note on visuals or more on the show in general. It never feels gratuitous or excessive in the sense that, yeah, it is dealing with heavy topics like mental illness or poverty, but you never see, it sounds like a bad way to put it, but poverty porn, it never seems like it's like, look at the gritty lives that these people are leading. Mm-hmm. You mentioned empire, that's the opposite extreme, but I like that it stays somewhere in the middle and it's comfortable just leaving things as they are and not dipping into some graphic,
0: yeah, and dark
1: depiction of Atlanta, like uh, the Atlanta we see in Walking Dead is when that comes, to yeah, mind.
0: exactly. And I think because the characters are so well written, they're relatable in a sense, so very much so. We see the realness of this show because we see. How, because it's so easy to relate to.
1: Because the characters are profoundly human and their motivations, you mentioned Ern looking at his daughter, all, those are very, it's a guy just trying to go paycheck to paycheck and he has a daughter. it It's not like high drama where, even something like Breaking Bad, it's not like he has cancer and he's gonna die. No, it's just a a... You're kind of millennial age, dude, struggling.
0: Yeah. Uh, another strength, and I think arguably this could be the biggest strength, is the show's unpredictability.
1: Yeah, we we talked about how it borders on it's so it's subtle to the point that it would risk mundaneness, mm-hmm. but the fact that. It has been so creative in terms of how it's presenting everything. Every episode feels like a, almost like a different show.
0: Yeah. And this is probably best evidenced by the last two episodes we have seen. Uh, episode 7 is called BAN, which stands for Black American Network. Yes. It's a fake channel that they made up, and they even created this sh- fake talk show called Montague. Yes. Where the whole episode was just a series of skits.
1: It feels like you're watching a fever dream of a 60 Minutes episode. <laughs> yes. Complete with commercials. That was With fake amazing. commercials that they made. Yeah, for cereal, And all of them are, again, touching on issues of police brutality or uh, transgender, transracial <laughs> yeah. kind of made up. It's... I immediately after watching it, I I remember telling Carla, I'm not even going to begin to touch the PC-ness of this. I'm sure a lot of it is wildly inappropriate, but I was just so surprised because it was unprecedented that I didn't even feel offended by anything or Mm -hmm. not that I have the right to say, oh, this offends me or that I would be PC policing any show, but... It just felt so confident in what it was doing.
0: Yeah, exactly. It didn't and didn't
1: invite any criticism.
0: And the episode before it, episode six, is called Value. That was an episode centered entirely on Vanessa. We barely even saw Paperboy or Urn yeah. come up in the entire
1: thing. Vanessa, who's the protagonist's girlfriend, baby mama, whatever you want to call her... In a show that is ostensibly about rap life or ballers set in Atlanta with, like, an up-and-coming rapper, it was amazing to see one episode just focus entirely on the day in the life of one woman in this city.
0: Yeah. So, obviously, Atlanta has a lot of strengths. Can you think of any weaknesses? Because I'm coming up short.
1: I have one. Okay. Uh... Let's cut very quickly to the song Paperboy by <laughs> Paper Boy. Oh my god. Alright, let's segue into this. I'll be back in a second. Paper boy, paper boy, always got that paper boy. Right. If you ain't on your grind, then you flexing. You's a hater boy. Paper boy, paper boy, always getting paper boy. If you ain't clip paper clip no. yeah i need a paper clip i'm stacking up this paper man and i can make that paper flip Woo. that paper flip paper flip watch me make this paper it's flip it. and head to magic city yeah. and i bet that paper make a strip paper man paper man catch me in the paper man like wall street journal yeah cause i be getting paper man that paper man paper man, paper man. yeah i'm getting
0: uh. wow hey
1: I really like the song, that's not the weakness. But the other day I was listening to the song in the car and the most nitpicky of nitpickiest thoughts hit me. Does a paper clip imply a lot of money? Doesn't it imply putting like two bills together?
0: Yeah, I I don't know what he's trying to communicate here. I I, I also know a clip has to do with guns. Yes. Okay. This is
1: going nowhere. That was just a completely random thought I had where I thought, shouldn't I say like rubber band
0: or something? The song, the entire song Paperboy is kind of silly. And I think in a way that might be the point.
1: But it is kind of a joke. I mean, he's a...
0: even his name Paperboy.
1: (laughs) That's true. He's not (laughs) Paperman.
0: Okay, well, so essentially,
1: you disproved me, essentially no weaknesses. I think everyone should give this show a solid shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, clearly, we are enamored with this show and definitely look forward to more great things from it. I recently read It Was picked up for a second season, so I'm sure we're going to continue to be talking about it in the future. But for now, how about we switch gears for a moment and talk Luke Cage?
1: Ooh, yes.
0: Okay, let's kick things off with another trailer.
1: Still not sure what I am. I'm just living my life, day to day.
0: You should be out there helping
1: people. You think I asked for any of this? I was put in some tank like an exotic fish. Came out with abilities. I just want to be left the hell alone. That would be a waste. Harlem, perpetual symbol of hope and prosperity.
0: Too much happens in the shadows. People fear what they can't see.
1: All right, it's no secret that neither of us is a huge superhero person. Anyone that's heard our Captain America Civil War episode will know this in particular detail. (laughs) But there's something about Netflix, Marvel shows, and the way they manage to be a lot more subtle, less saturated, a little more niche, Mm -hmm. that appeals to us. Carla, I know you've enjoyed Daredevil, I watched Jessica Jones, both of us liked the respective shows we watched, and then came along Luke Cage. Carla, I know you've seen two or three episodes of it, and I'm a little further into the series than you are. I haven't binged this series with the same veracity that I saw Jessica Jones or that I know most people tend to watch these shows, but I think it's safe to say I'm enjoying this show a lot too. I had been playing this show as more or less a background show, but most surprisingly, the last episodes that I was watching, I would stopped working on what I was working on and turned to the screen to
0: watch. Oh my god, that is a big deal. Normally when you watch TV, you're doing like three other things at the same time.
1: It grabbed my attention, (laughs) yeah. Alright, so for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, what Luke Cage is... This is a show that, like most superhero shows, it follows a crime fighter. Luke Cage's power in particular is that he is more or less bulletproof. Mm -hmm. He is a character that was first introduced in Jessica Jones, but in this series we see him branch off into a story of his own, and he is taking on a Harlem crime syndicate.
0: That's right. And also worth noting, Luke Cage was actually one of the first black superheroes to appear in the pages of Marvel Comics back in the 1970s. Today, he is the first black superhero that has been introduced to this new Marvel Netflix universe. The two shows that preceded this one were, of course, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. And as such, I think the creators of this show put forth a very conscious effort to celebrate the idea of introducing a bulletproof black man during a time of the Black Lives Matter movement.
1: Yeah. There's no way that even just that sentence, the idea of it, won't resonate with a political message. Mm -hmm. And I love that the show leans into it so much. I do think that the fact that this show is coming out is especially noteworthy, actually in light of a superhero that we discussed in the episode I just referenced, the Captain America movie, because that movie did introduce a black superhero, and a lot of people were excited, oh, we finally get a black superhero, but he was a that the superhero i'm referencing is black panther mm-hmm. and he is from a made up kingdom of wakanda in africa that's so, right so it's great that we're getting a i mean black superhero but i love the fact that luke cage it's not just we're getting a black superhero we are getting an american black superhero living in contemporary times mm-hmm. and as amped as we are about the Black Panther cast, I feel so much more excited and moved by this show. Because this show has managed to weave itself into the greater narrative of contemporary American politics, because if you're Black in America, yeah, that's going to look different than being Black in Africa, and I love that it's acknowledging the heterogeneity of that experience, or the specificity of that experience, and... Yeah, Yeah, that's that's really
0: cool. Um, So why don't we talk about some of the other appealing aspects of this show?
1: Yeah, sounds great. Uh, Aside from the political ambiance that's coding this, uh, I do want to talk about the plot. And I do like that in this show, the bad guys, whom I mentioned, are a Harlem crime syndicate. Mm -hmm. They aren't freakish supervillains. This isn't a Doc Ock or a Green Goblin. Uh These are mobsters and drug dealers, and it makes the show feel a lot more like a low-key, hard-boiled detective crime story.
0: Yeah. Or a cop show. The main villain gets quite a bit of screen time on the show, actually. And now that I think of it, he actually might have more lines than the soft-spoken hero of Luke Cage. Uh, But... Yeah, I I definitely agree. The the fact that he has so much screen time, it makes him feel more fleshed out and complex than other typical comic book villains. Yeah,
1: he doesn't feel like a one-dimensional caricature.
0: Yes, exactly. And I also think, similar to other Marvel Netflix shows that have preceded this one, it also features a lot of strong female characters in positions of power. Most
1: definitely. We see I don't remember Rosaria Dawson's character in Daredevil. She's in Daredevil as mm-hmm. well, right? There's a really competent nurse in this in this show. And there's also a competent woman cop. Uh-huh. There are there's a lot of attention placed on having those in there, but it doesn't ever feel too pandery, which is nice. That's right. I do want to scale back and just talk about what I think the absolute highlight of the show is though. This show could absolutely suck and I would still have to have at least some modicum of respect <laughs> for it because the music. Yes. is so good. <laughs> it invites all sorts of fabulous rap. Funk, there are cameos by actual musicians in the show because the villain has a music venue.
0: Yeah, a nightclub.
1: He has a nightclub. It never feels... It features the song Long Live the Chief. It was the first time I heard that Jadena song. I love that it manages to integrate it without feeling corny.
0: I totally agree. And I don't think it was an accident that the music feels like such a big part of the show. And actually... In an NPR interview, the show's creator actually described it as an unadulterated hip-hop show. Hmm. And you can certainly see this in its soundtrack, cameo performances, and even through visuals and set decor, like the portrait of Biggie in the villain's office. Yeah,
1: I have thoughts. I'm actually going to segue into a few little minor drawbacks that I have with this show. Okay, let's get into it. One of them being that stylistically, it's beautifully shot. You just mentioned this portrait of Biggie wearing a king's crown that the villain has. They use that portrait as a background shot to make it look like the villain's wearing a crown
0: at least 20 times in this show. I made note of this because... I think the show is guilty of almost taking too much pride in its camera work to the point where, like you said, it calls a lot of attention to itself. Again, I'm not very far into the show myself, but in the two episodes I've seen, like you said, there were at least three or four moments where I thought, yeah, they were way too excited or proud of themselves for framing that shot of... The villain standing in front of the portrait yeah. in an angle that it looked like he was wearing the crown It's almost, that Biggie was wearing.
1: Yes, it feels almost like it was built for a Tumblr photo set. <laughs> That's a very deep cut. Uh, but what you are describing about the show being guilty of taking too much pride in itself in general, I think it just kind of feels a little self-important at times to the point of condescending. Hmm. What I'm describing here is that the humor and writing of the show sometimes just feels very aged and old. Yeah. This sounds terrible, but for a show that has contemporary, some contemporary artists, but also a lot of older music, so maybe I'm faulting it for something that I shouldn't, Luke does sound like a 60-year-old man sometimes. he complains openly about the n-word which he has every right to. Uh-huh. But given that it's a word that's used in a lot of contemporary rap, it feels a little out of place
0: almost? No, I I definitely see where you're getting at with this because I think this might be one of the most interesting observations about the show because what I think you're getting at is that the tone of this show is very different than the other Marvel Netflix shows we've seen. Daredevil and Jessica Jones almost immediately gained notoriety for being really dark and violent and even explicit. I mean, That was, after all, one of the biggest selling points for releasing these shows on Netflix. They could say or do whatever they want. Spoiler alert, there are
1: pretty steamy scenes in Jessica Jones
0: involving
1: Luke Cage.
0: Right. And yet, Luke Cage, the show, feels really old-fashioned and borderline conservative. Yeah. And I think that might be one of the most baffling things about the show, because on paper, the character feels like he should be groundbreaking and could make such a powerful social or cultural statement. But instead, they kind of chose to play it safe. And as a result, as far as superheroes go, Luke Cage as a character he seems kind of boring. I completely
1: agree with everything you've just said. And I mean,
0: don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean I don't like this character. I think the actor who plays him, I think his name is Mike Coulter, he did a fine job. And actually, the character's grandpa-like tendencies are probably the most endearing to me. It was just a little surprising because I definitely felt like they had the opportunity to go more bold than they did.
1: Agreed. And this is where I think it's interesting that we're juxtaposing this show against Atlanta, a show that uses the N-word, for instance, and not to make this the N-word episode of our podcast, <laughs> but it's a show that uses it because it's trying to reflect how people in that community talk. So to have this young-ish maybe in his 30s character be saying things like i'm tired but i'm not tired enough to let you call me that word or to be rebuffing attractive women that are coming on to him and he's kind of like whoa nelly like yeah
0: it just it did feel it it sounds like Uh, words you would expect Morgan Freeman to say, not a youngish guy wearing a, a hoodie and walking around the streets of Harlem.
1: If the writer is younger than 50, I am going to be so shocked. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, it's such a fun show, but one last drawback that I might comment on, and this is all Netflix shows and a symptom of the new Netflix model where all of the episodes are released at once. The show is built for binging. I think the fact that it took me half a season to really look up at the screen and get really arresting shots tells us that if you lose momentum, you might forget about it. Mm-hmm. That's a symptom of all shows nowadays, but... That's one thing that I'd say. This show probably isn't as much of a must-watch as Atlanta.
0: Yeah, but they're both... I mean, Atlanta, you have to watch it. If you're
1: listening to this, you have no... You have to watch Atlanta. Luke Luke Cage, it's not going anywhere, and it's going to be as relevant uh, a superhero show... As ever, whenever you watch it, but I do think the argument should be made that it's relevant right now just because of our political moment and what it is ultimately doing, even if it feels somewhat conservative.
0: It still feels important that it was made. Yes. Okay. Well, I think this is a good a time as any to transition into our signal boosts for the week. Sounds great. All right. Iman, how about you go first?
1: All right, my signal boost is going to be a book. Mm. Mometa Blues by Questlove of The Roots. Uh, His name is Amir Questlove Thompson. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is such a good book. Uh, It was recommended to me as I was barely getting into The Roots' music. I had originally assumed, oh, I don't know anything about The Roots, why am I going to want to read a memoir about the creation of this band? But it is so much more than that. Questlove does an amazing job of breaking down music from the 70s onwards. It's essentially a memoir told through his memories of songs that he listened to growing up. Oh, that's so cool. So it is such a cool book to read and listen along to because you are essentially getting a music historian's take on the progression of, I mean, uh, he talks about the Neo-Soul movement, which is kind of what he was involved in. And it's just kind of, he's a lens through which you can observe the history and trajectory of a really interesting time in music. And he's never too self-involved. But it's so readable. It flows. Oh, that's so cool. There have been so many books recently that I've picked up. I've read a few pages. I tell myself, you need to finish this one. And I never do. Mm -hmm. I never thought about finishing this book once just because I was barreling through it. Waking up at 5 a.m. before work to get to read a few more pages. Trying to take it with the gym to me. It was... (laughs) It's just such a fun read, and I definitely recommend it to fans of The Roots, which I have definitely become, uh-huh. and non-fans alike. What is your signal boost, Carla?
0: Okay, so like a lot of people, I've been really captivated and at times disgusted and depressed with the ongoing presidential election. Oh gosh. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a tough thing to escape. So, for my signal boost, I thought I'd actually share what I'm calling my 2016 election survival kit. I am
1: so excited for this.
0: <laughs> okay, so specifically, there are three things that have brought me joy and comedic relief during these, let's call them politically trying times. First, in the realm of movies, there is the short but sweet South Side With You, a movie that chronicles the events of the Obamas' first date in the south side of Chicago. I saw this movie months ago. It probably isn't even in theaters anymore, but it has definitely stayed with me long after I saw it, and I just appreciated it for its sweet purity. I know you saw it too, right, Iman? It was precious. That's the right word, precious. Um, so that's, that's my movie recommendation, Southside with you. Second, in terms of TV shows, there are a lot of news comedy shows out there that have been covering this election, but one of the best by far has been Full Frontal with Samantha Bee. Samantha Bee, as most people know, used to be a correspondent on The Daily Show before she left to go start this show on TBS. And from the get-go, it's been an absolute firecracker of a show. And all I have to say about it is that her sharp wit and energy have almost been cathartic to watch. And then third, for anyone interested in checking out a political podcast, you have to check out The Ringer Network's Keeping It 1600, uh This podcast is hosted by a former Obama speechwriter and a former Obama communications director and This podcast basically just gives a great insider's perspective on how to navigate this crazy election. I think they actually had to switch over to recording two episodes a week because of how much news is released in each cycle, it's but ridiculous. In addition to being a really informative podcast, there is an undercurrent of humor to it, which has also made it a lot of fun to listen to. So yeah, that's my 2016 election survival kit, Southside With You, which I assume should be released on DVD in a month or two. Uh, hopefully before november (laughs) yeah (laughs) and then uh full frontal with samantha b which is on mondays on tbs and the ringer podcast networks keeping it 1600 great all right well i think that wraps up this episode of screensaver if you the listener have any thoughts on atlanta luke cage or anything else that we've discussed today we'd love to hear them You can reach us by following us on Twitter, at ScreensaverPod, and by liking our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. And as always, you can find other episodes of Screensaver on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Bye! Bye! I show you that again. Whatever I, I did, girl, forget about it. Whatever I say, girl, just forget about it. Whatever
1: I do, girl, just forget about it.